Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Tell Your Story podcast. Uh, I have here Leela Watch. Am I saying your name? (laughs) I should have told you before we started recording. It's Lila, by the way. I told you how to pronounce my name. By the way, how do you pronounce your name? (laughs) (laughs) Quanzel or Q for short. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. It's Lila. Don't worry. Almost uh, everyone, uh, it seems, pronounces my name Lila or they butcher it in some way. I get like any other L name but my actual name, so. Oh, man. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm very sorry about that. So, no, heard, this is the introduction, folks. This is Lila. Um, she is a uh, Christian sophomore majoring in psychology at Eastern Michigan and is fond of pop cu- culture trivia. Fun fact. Um, so, <laughs> with that, uh, Lila, please introduce a little bit more of yourself to the audience listening. Um, okay, uh, where did it begin? I guess. Um... Well, I was originally born in Xi'an, China, and then it was uh, under like the one child law in China. So then I was abandoned as a baby and then I was taken to an orphanage and then I was adopted on Valentine's Day of 2004. So a month before my third birthday. And then what else? I had a very, um, I guess, like unusual upbringing. You could say I moved around a lot and my parents kind of had like like borders, I guess you could say. There were just like always people like coming and going in and out of our house. Mm-hmm. Um, like like my mother was very fond of like strays and like, it was just a very unusual upbringing, I guess you could say. We moved around a lot. Like once we moved three times in nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like always the new kid, which is so not fun how of it. And then what else? Like, my, I will say like my, um, okay, so I guess part of the reason why I'm on is like, uh, so when I was in the fourth grade is that like, I was raped by my sister's, uh, my sister's boyfriend's brother. Mm. Um, and I kept it a secret for a year uh, because he was an expectant father. And I remember he threatened me by like, he like basically guilted me into keeping it a secret for a year because he was saying that like, if I told anyone, then he he would be taken away and he wouldn't be able to be there for his baby. Um, And then I eventually did uh, tell um, like my sister about it actually. And then um, a trial had to proceed. And I remember actually being really bummed out to be honest about the trial, just because I had to miss sixth grade camp and that was not fun, or at least not when you're 12 years old. Um, And then I remember after the trial, actually, um, like sixth grade, I'd say was a really just dramatic year in general was like, there was the whole trial. And then my mom left because like my dad and her, they, um, they'd always just had a very like rocky marriage with like a lot of infidelity. Mm. Um, I wasn't joking when I said I was an open book, I've got like nothing to hide really. Um, yeah, my mom fell in love with a woman in Canada. And so then she moved there um and then she's just kind of been in and out of my life since Mm. then really so it's just like my dad and I Mm. then then what else I mean 
I'd say I, I did struggle throughout high school a lot. And I was like, you know, very depressed and like suicidal. And then I eventually went to therapy and therapy was, I'd say what helped me um, realize like some of like, I think the trauma that I hadn't fully dealt with, with like my childhood and just a lot of unusual experiences, but of course, obviously the rape um, and my mom leaving that definitely needed to be, I think, talked about through, through therapy. And so mm. that was very helpful. And so then I was in therapy for almost two years, I'd say. And then we moved again. And then we didn't, I like stopped therapy. But I would say that like, if, I think everyone needs therapy, but that was very beneficial for me. So I'm very like, I cannot like emphasize how great therapy really is for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, then what else? I transferred junior year because the bullying got really bad in high school. Um, after I was kicked out, like I was in a clique and then they started spreading rumors about what a slut I am. And it was just really not great. Um, yeah. And then what else? I like then started going to an early college and then, I mean, I graduated class 2020. You gotta love that. <laughs> that was a really fun year to graduate because they have you stay behind at your early college for 13th grade, they call it. So I technically, if I'd gone to a normal high school, would have graduated in 2019, but since of the early college, 2020. Um, and then I stayed home my first year of um, college, but now like my second year of college, I'm on campus. So that's, it's just, it has a learning curve to it, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until this last, this like past Tuesday, about April, I started attending this Baptist church in Farmington Hills. And that has been uh, very, I think, influential. It's definitely changed my life and the way, um, like, I think finding God has definitely given me a lot of purpose in life mm. and a lot of more hope and joy. Awesome. And that's like my short, not really short version of my life so far. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. We, you know, we, we love to just share long story shorts, <laughs> you know, especially uh, me, but Man, it sounds like you went through a lot and, you know, have had like a lot of perseverance even within your own life. So, I mean, just to delve into like the more of the rape and what happened, um, how, so you were at such a young age. I mean, what was your thought process then, um, you know, besides just keeping it a secret? Because I, I imagine too, um, even with, even with the sort of influence that your sister's boyfriend's brother, mm -hmm. right? Okay, yeah, um, even had on you. Um, what what were your thought process like? Were you worried of like how much this was going to affect the family? How, you know, people were going to think of you differently and stuff like that? Um, what was what was that? What was your thoughts like back then? Um, gosh, um, I think... I honestly, one of my biggest fears, I didn't quite understand exactly back then um, a lot about like sex education, but I do, I knew back then that like when a man and a woman, like when they have sex, that like a baby, ha that's how a baby happens. So I remember actually for the first few months after the rape, I was so terrified. I was pregnant. I actually thought I was pregnant, even though that wasn't possible. I didn't I didn't understand though, like I didn't know anything about puberty or anything like that. But I, um, I actually remember being afraid, thinking that I was pregnant for like a, for a while, 
because every time that my stomach would like growl because I'm hungry or anything like that, I would think like, oh my goodness, was that like something in my stomach? What is that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I was terrified about that. And I actually remember that my teacher did see a difference in me and that I did become a lot more withdrawn um, and a lot more, I just wrote a lot more because I had a lot more, I'd say anxiety, so much anxiety and nightmares. Um, I did have nightmares about it. I had this one, I remember it was actually this recurring nightmare. It was of me, because I know a lot about pop culture and all that. It was like of me, but it was in like various different like iconic images from like um like movies and shows and all mm -hmm. but it was like of me no matter how hard I tried to run away like Wesley that's his name mm -hmm. uh she would always end up finding me and then raping me again that was like this recurring nightmare that like no matter how hard I tried to run away so I remember there was like this it would be like different images of me like as a flapper you know in the 1920s but then it's like cuts to me like you know in a poodle skirt and it's like crease or it would be like me as a hippie, but it's like, no matter how hard I tried, like he would find me. Mm. So that was a really, that was a really terrifying nightmare, I'd say. Cause I think it was also just like, I guess I was so afraid of, um, I think history repeating itself. Mm. And then also my overall thoughts and feelings. I think I honestly thought I'd go to my grave. I never thought I'd tell my family about it. I just thought it was one of those things I think especially because like the household that I grew up in with my parents had a very unstable marriage so I just kind of thought it was normal that he everyone has their secrets and that it's normal just to keep things to yourself and so I really thought I would go to my grave not telling my family about what happened mm. I did at one point tell I remember I was at a sleepover and I was telling some friends about it um, I remember there were twins, Serena and Sabrina, and they freaked out and then they started to freak out. And then, and then I like tried to brush it aside and I was like, oh no, it's a joke. I was, I was joking. Like I, this didn't actually happen. And then they were so freaked out. They were like, I want to go home. They were like, we, we, and it was like midnight, mind you. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, they were so startled and scared about it. And then thankfully, like by the next morning, um, because their grandparents did come and pick them up because they lived with their grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember that like the next time like I saw them, they were just like, did that actually happen? And I was like, no, no. Like I was just pranking you guys. I got you guys really good. And then they were like, well, that's gross and sick. Like, don't ever do that again. Mm. So then that was, the, I remember thinking like, that's the closest I think I'm ever going to get to like telling yeah. someone. Yeah, but I mean, you were young, you, you didn't know, you know, or understood. And um, like, it seemed like it like affected you a lot, especially with like the nightmares and stuff too. Um, and with, with that, um, what were you like, were you afraid of how things turned out when you actually did open up about it, um, actually officially opened up about it with your family and stuff? And how was your sister's and her boyfriend's reaction to, to like what she said to? Um, like, 
I honestly, because I'm a very like religious person. So for me, at least I saw it as kind of like, it was a true act of God. It was like a miracle. It felt like one of those odd, like, um, like out of the body experience when I just happened to, I used to, um, in the summertime, especially, or like, not summertime, but I used to a lot when I was younger, um, back when my sister and her boyfriend were still together, they had their own apartment. So I'd spend a lot of nights there. Um, and I just remember one morning, I just told her that like, I needed to tell her something, but I, I didn't know how. And um, like, I'm really grateful for writing because writing's always been there. Like I could write about it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up just writing it down on a pad, like yellow pad and telling her what happened. And I remember she was reading it and then she was kind of just, she was taken aback and she told me, she's like, Lila, is this true? Because she's like, if this is true, then this changes everything. She's like, then we have to tell mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what's going to happen afterwards, right? And I mean, I honestly am so amazed that I was given the courage. Like I view it as like God gave me the courage to be able to actually um, tell her what happened and then telling my parents what happened as well, because I, I remember it was just, it was a very chaotic day. I remember my mom started like hyperventilating and my mother is just a very dramatic person to begin with, but like, yeah, she did not take it well. She was just sobbing. And then my father, he's rather taciturn. He just said he needed to go to the grocery store. He's like, I need to pick up milk. He was like insisted that he go and pick up milk. And then he just drove off and he was gone for most of the day. Mm. Um. And then I remember some, like my mom's friend came over and like comforted her. And then afterwards a cop came over. I remember that because I was playing with my Barbies and my mom also asked me, she's like, is this true? You're not making this up. This isn't, you know, your imagination or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Cause I have, a, I have a very vivid imagination and all, but she was like, you're not playing with me. And so, yeah, I remember that. That wasn't really, I was afraid, but I was also like, I, there was a part of me that also was kind of glad to be able to like have like this weight lifted off my chest, I think, mm-hmm. um, and to tell people, cause it was scary. It was really hard, I think, feeling like, there was just like this invisible barrier that was like keeping me from my family. Mm. And I realized that in a lot of ways I was letting him control me, even though he was miles away. Um, and he wasn't even really part of my life that I felt like he was forever though, like chained to me for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, and then with my sister and her boyfriend, Seth at the time, he was her boyfriend and I'm honestly, I'm really, while I think he wasn't a good person overall, I think that it was really in some ways admirable of him that he believed in me, but not just that, but he also stood by my sister um, because he he had to turn his whole back on his family. Mm -hmm. Um, And that like, it caused a lot of tension. It was definitely strained uh, their relationship because his mom and like um, Wesley's girlfriend and like baby mama and all and like mm. then his older brother they all sided with him um, 
And I think that was really hard for mm -hmm. Seth, I would say. And I think it also definitely kind of put a strain on Seth and Katie's relationship because they ended up breaking up. Mm. Man. So, yeah. Well, oh, my sister Katie, so yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Um, man, that's a, that's a lot. And like a lot happened. It sounded like, it, like you said, it sounded like it was very chaotic and there's so much that happened. Um, and so uh, how, how long was the trial then? Um, and one week? Yeah. Mm, wow. Just a week. But I think the overall process of it, though, because I told my parents in the fifth grade, and then I didn't actually go to trial, though. We didn't actually go to court until the sixth grade, when I was in the sixth grade. So it was like, I remember though, throughout between the fifth and sixth grade though, um, we met a lot of times with a, a lawyer and we also met with like his secretary. And I remember because his secretary gave me, it was like a worry stone. It was mm -hmm. one of those where it's got like some like paint on it or something. And then you can rub it. And she said, just rub the worry away. And I remember like clutching onto that a lot, uh, especially during that trial. Um, yeah, I remember... It was, that was like a very intense week, I would say, because I think there was a lot of pressure for me, like, um, to, to get it right. Like, I remember being told that, like, honestly, I remember being told by like my parents in a lot of ways, they like wanted, they so badly wanted him in prison and they wanted us to win so badly that they really were trying to like, think in a lot of ways, like, they wanted to make sure that like, I wasn't going to screw it up as they thought. Mm. Um, but I also think that it was a bit harsh at times because they're like, you're not going to smile at him or wave at him or anything like that. Don't do anything stupid. Um, mm. And it really, yeah, it was really hard. I would say that it was really hard because I remember I was like, you go and sit down and, you know, there's like a jury of like these random people and, they don't want to be there, but they have to. Mm -hmm. um, and you're being, I remember his lawyer, his defense attorney was apparently like a rookie, I guess. But I remember he was such a smart aleck and I couldn't stand him at all. And he kept on asking me questions that it's like he was, and I know this, of course, he was cross-examining my story, but he on purpose wanted to try to trip me up mm -hmm. and confuse me. And I remember just a lot of times saying like, I don't know. I don't know, you know, he was, he would be asking me questions like, um, cause where the rape happened was in the basement. He's like, if you started to feel uncomfortable, he's like, why didn't you just leave the basement then? Why did you stay? Mm. As he continued, like, you know, he's like, why did you stay as he, you know, as um, Mr. Moore, that's mm -hmm. like, you know, like started to make physical advances on you. Jesus. Yeah, it was a lot. And I was only like 12 when it happened, mind you. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. But you know what the crazy thing is, is that like, because I was reflecting on it actually, because it happened, the rape happened in early April. I don't remember the exact day, but it was in April. And I remember actually it was like, I was reflecting on it this April and 
it was just so weird because I was like, wow, like it's like the 10 year anniversary. And I'm like, that's really sick to say anniversary because it's like implying it's something to celebrate. Mm. But I was like, if it's been 10 years, like, I mean, I was 10 when it happened and now I'm 20. And I, I just was really like at peace though with it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, because I used to hold so much like um, bitterness and resentment towards him and I really hated him for the longest time like it was so bad that um for example I couldn't watch like a princess bride because the main character's name is Wesley Mm. like that name was forever ruined for me Mm. like I hated that name Wesley I just it like it gave me so much um fear and like I hated it just it revolted me so much um that name but now it's like I can say it out loud. Now it's something I never thought I would be able to is say it out loud. And I will say, I think my early college helped me a little bit with that because they did hold like a rain event one year. And um, I was glad I got to volunteer with that because it made me feel kind of safer knowing that um, people are at least are aware of it. And I know it's like such a weird coincidence in a lot of ways that like I was raped in April and April is like, you know, sexual assault awareness month mm-hmm. I know that's a really weird um but yeah I used to hate him for so long but now like I feel bad for him more than anything else I still know what he did was wrong of course but I think for me it's like fi- um finding God has helped me being able to forgive him for what he mm-hmm. did because he is he was you know someone who was hurting and he went about it the wrong way he kept he decided then to go and hurt other people instead of dealing with his own uh, issues. Because mm-hmm. um, he was a, he had a history of being mentally unstable. Like for example, um, I remember being told by my sister um, because her boyfriend Seth had a dog named Max. And then I found out that Max apparently used to be owned by Wesley. And I was like, well, why doesn't Max live with Wesley anymore? And she was like, oh, well, Wesley has a little bit of a temper. so he would sometimes hit Max. So now Max lives with Seth. And I remember um, thinking like, if he would hit his dog, what would he do to like an actual person? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he did have a short fuse, I'll admit, Wesley did. And now looking back, I'm more aware of things like, because my sister, okay, so originally this is what happened. Okay, I was in the fourth grade and I was being a little bit of a brat and I was just very unhappy with, I don't know, I think it was just, I had just, I'd been the new kid again, because I had just moved in like a month earlier, and I was still struggling in school, um, and I remember I wrote on like, you know, the little whiteboard that you could hang in your locker in elementary school, mm-hmm. I wrote like, I hate my life, I want to die, and then my locker mate, Allison, saw that, she freaks out. She tells our fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Keys, about it. Then Mrs. Keys has to notify our principal about it. Then I have to get sent to the principal's office. I have to have a long talking. Is everything at home okay? We're just worried about you, Lila, and this and that. And then my mom had to come pick me up early. And she was so upset at me. She's like, now everyone thinks that you're suicidal and I'm a bad mom. Um and she was like, you know, I can't deal with you anymore. I can't, I can't, I need a break from this. Mm-hmm. Um so then she called up my sister, Kate, and she 
then was like, can you just like watch her for the weekend? I need a break. So she dropped her off. Um, she dropped me off like at my, at my, um, well, no, actually now that I think about it, hold on. No, she dropped me off. It was actually at my dad's work. It was like, my dad used to work for PBS. Mm -hmm. um, so do you know, like in, it's in Wixom? No, probably not. Anyway, mm -hmm. but it was like the parking lot and that's where she like exchanged me basically. And then my uh, sister, Katie and Seth, they drove me because uh, Seth still lived with his mom. He, uh, so we like went to her place because that's where Katie was living with Seth and Seth was living with his mom. Mm -hmm. And then Wesley is still there as well because he still lived with his mom. Um, and then Katie was like so tired. I remember from like school and work and she just wanted to spend time with her boyfriend. And this was like total um, interruption to her like plans and everything to just relax for the weekend. So then I just got left with Wesley who was there and he became my default babysitter. And looking back now, some of the things that like, you know, we would watch movies together, or play board games, or um, like he taught me a little bit about baseball in the backyard. And looking back now, I'm realizing that it was like all, it's called grooming, I believe. So mm -hmm. it was just trying to get me comfortable. So you let your guard down around him. And then it was Saturday night. That was when it actually, like the rape happened. That's when it took place. Um, and... I remember because I was in the basement and he was teaching me, I don't know if you remember, there was like some video game, it was like Baby Mama or something, the Cooking Mama, it was something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, no, no that's an interesting game, though. So. From like Sounds the like 2000s, I think, I don't know, it's a decade old, it was a decade ago. And then we were also watching some movies, I still remember the movies, I actually used to not be able to watch the movies at all. And I think it was just because I was letting him like have so much power over me, but it was like, um, I love you. What was it? Philip Morris, the chaperone, I think. And Nomeo and Juliet. I remember yeah. that one in particular, that was the movie that was playing for the majority of the rape. And I remember that movie. I couldn't watch that movie for the longest time. Like even in my high school class at one point, cause we were studying Romeo and Juliet and the different adaptations. I requested um, to my teacher like that I do not, that I be excused from class and that I cannot watch that film. And he was like, why? Mm -hmm. And he was so skeptical of me. And I remember why well, I didn't like him to begin with. Um, but um, he was like, fine, I guess you can go to the library. But I tried to explain, I was like, it just brings up painful memories and I refuse to watch that film. Mm -hmm. But he just thought I was just trying to get out of class. Uh, so yeah, but I remember that played for the majority of it. And then at one point he showed me like it was a it was a porno of a woman uh, giving oral. And because I didn't know what that was. Because actually how it began was he was telling me how bored he was and how he wanted to play truth or dare. And then I was like, okay. And at first it was like just silly stuff like doing a chicken dance or something. Mm -hmm. And then I was in the middle of saying a dare, like I dare you to kiss, but then he cut me off and then he kissed me instead. And I remember thinking it was so gross because I didn't know what a French kiss was, but I just thought that was like, like I was like, Ugh. and then I pulled away because I was like, get your tongue out of my mouth. Um, and then, oh gosh, sorry. I don't mean to, I just, yeah. Um, 
And so then after that, though, because he was like, oh, like that was just a French kiss. And I was like, well, I didn't like it. And then he was like, okay, do you want to just go back to the movie? And I was like, okay, yeah, let's just do that instead. And I think I should have known by then that like, you know, something was going to happen. But it wasn't until actually um, when he started to put his arms around me. Uh, that was when I actually started to feel really uncomfortable. And I kind of had one of those, like, you know, those like gut instinct feelings. Mm -hmm. That was when I kind of was like, I think something bad is going to happen. And I just, I was like, maybe I should leave. But at the same time, I was like, Lila, like, cause I overthink things to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. And hello, or Anyway, I'm in the student lounge, so, but I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, and that, like, he's an adult, and I can trust him, that's what I thought, Mm. Um, because, like, oh, I don't know any better, like, I'm just a kid, so I remember that, and then he tried kissing me again, and I tried pulling away, but this time he wouldn't, Mm. because I remember I tried to get up, and then since he was so much bigger than me at the time, because Grant, mind you, like he was 25 and I was 10 years old. Jesus. Yeah. And so then he like, I remember it's like, it was my head and it was like, you know, the end of like a couch and then like my head against it. And I was just blocked. I couldn't at all because his body was over me completely. My God. Then he started to undress me and he had one hand over my mouth. And it just felt like it lasted forever. Remember at one point when I looked at the clock, it said three in the morning. So mm. Jesus. Yeah. So what were your other questions? I'm sorry. No, you know, you're fine. Um no, I'm just like I appreciate you for like sharing, you know, um and it it's I don't know if this was like hard for you to like share, um and if it brought up like pain like past pains and stuff like that um because because it can it can be hard um reliving that and stuff like that um but i'm i'm sorry i'm just like that that story um and just what I'm happened sorry. i didn't mean to like no, no no it's all good it's just like i really hate shitty people my my language um (laughs) um and um just like you know you are from the sound you are a very sweet person and stuff like that too and it's like it's sucky that that happened to you at such a young age too um and just yeah, if I was, yeah, if I was your father, I would have, like, had the shotgun ready and stuff. I would have, like, <laughs> went out and been like, all right, where is this fool at? I'm gonna 
just yeah um, he did want to kill him at first my dad did later admit that to me years later mm, mm. that he did to kill him um I think for me though honestly the hardest part not just like the rape um because I didn't even realize that it was rape mm-hmm. at the time I just thought it was that we had sex but I didn't like it and that I have to keep quiet about it or else he might hurt me I didn't even know what rape was or anything like that. And I think one thing, the main thing I didn't like about it was during the trial, it felt like to me, it became less about um, me telling the truth as it was about like, I didn't like that it was almost painting this like narrative of me that like, I'm just this victim. Mm -hmm. And that like he needs to be sent away does that make any sense that like I guess I just didn't like that like it became more about him like him losing and me winning but that's the thing is that even when he went away I mean it took me years I mean actually I mean it's been 10 years so yeah years Mm -hmm. to feel any kind of closure because even when he went away to prison I didn't feel closure Mm -hmm. I didn't feel better my parents did, I think. They felt a lot more assured um, knowing that, you know, a, a, this bad person that hurt their daughter, you know, is gone away, but mm-hmm. I didn't really feel much better about it. I remember kind of just being like, well, like, what now? Mm. It didn't feel like. And I think sometimes people who aren't um, survivors, sometimes they like think that, like, like, yay, they got, you know, locked up and all, yeah. like, now they're where they belong. Like, well, you should immediately be able to forget about it and move on. Because I think that was my family's. Un- um, unfortunately, I think uh, they didn't realize that you don't just immediately move on. You can't just mm-hmm. like forget about it. Yeah. Because like you unfortunately end up carrying it with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You can try blocking it out as much as possible. Because believe me, I have blocked out a lot of it. Um, but at the same time, there are like little details. It's so oddly, uh, mm-hmm. it's so like odd how like after all these years I can remember, like I can still remember the t-shirt I was wearing. It was like this magenta t-shirt and it had like this like little um like graphic cartoon of like mm-hmm. a dog with a bunch of um paper in his mouth. And I remember in glittery, in a glittery font, it said, dog ate my homework. Mm-hmm. Like it's so weird that I remember the t-shirt I was wearing that he took off mm-hmm. of me um, or the movies that were playing like after all these years Mm. um and you know I really was ashamed of it for the longest time and I did not like talking about it at all for the longest time I remember back when I was in my clique they would try to ask me these questions and I remember being really uncomfortable especially just because there was this one girl in the clique I mean granted they weren't real friends or anything but Mm -hmm. she almost sounded jealous about the fact that like you know an older man gave me attention and an older man thought I was attractive and wanted me because that's the thing Wesley did tell me that he thought I was the prettiest girl he had ever seen Mm -hmm. and how sexy I was but that's the thing is you shouldn't be seen as sexy yeah no no yeah no especially to a 10 year no no that's like not like the right comments and like why in the hell would a girl be like jealous over that when it's like a bad incident that happened to you like that's no 
and like Jesus, like Jesus, like and like man, I had I had a question and then it, it left my head <laughs> because man, um, but so with 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 that, um, because I know like yeah, like like you mentioned, that's what the question was. Like you mentioned, um, it did like it, it like when you see it, especially in your own experience of like the perpetrator has been given his sentence and he's put to jail and it's like, oh, all right, hooray, whoop-de-doo, let's, let's go out and celebrate. But then it's not focusing on like the survivors and stuff and what they need to. Um, and so with that, did you get like a lot of like the resources and like the support afterwards to help or no? No, no, no not at all. It was very much like, let's keep this hush hush um now that he's been sent away we can just forget about this bad experience um and just move on with our lives and that's what my parents did Mm. um yeah that's what they did and then they went back to like their problems um and i was expected to do the same and it was once again something that like you had i had to be like ashamed of and keep quiet about and yeah I didn't because I didn't get any therapy about it I didn't go to therapy until I was like 15 so it wasn't until five years after the rape happened Mm. that I actually went to therapy because um my parents initially balked at the idea of me going to therapy they thought that I was like I was you know well adjusted enough no no you you obviously weren't especially at that young age and how traumatic that event has like been especially how much it affected you I mean yeah I didn't realize this until like mm-hmm. now that I'm older I do realize it but like I um especially that year I started to have problems with like eating um where I like I just wasn't eating at times where I would like try to starve myself and looking back now, I'm kind of like, oh, like, I think I, that was like my coping mechanism mm-hmm. of dealing with it all, was just trying to take it out. Um, or it's like, it feels like I'm, you know, out of control. Um, everything's just like falling apart. It felt like for me, um, because I didn't like that the trial, it felt like was getting so much bigger than what I could handle. It was so overwhelming. It was so difficult to be on that stand and you have Wesley's family and they're all just snickering at you and mean mugging you and everyone else, you know, in my family, they're in the waiting room, but they want to make sure that, you know, they're like, you know, just, you know, just like try to look as sad as possible. Like being told these things that are just trying to like, just a lot of, things that they just couldn't understand um but yeah I think that was like my coping mechanism because I remember I was like all of a sudden started becoming really obsessive about my weight mm-hmm. and I thought I was fat and I was just like oh I gotta like lose all this and it's like okay you're not gonna eat then for the next three days and I realizing now that that was like that was just my way to deal with it mm. so deep so the healing didn't start till around year 15, till around year 15. And that was when you were going to 
that's when you start going to therapy. Um, I was deeply depressed. Mm-hmm. I started to get like, I was, I was so deeply depressed. I just, I wouldn't want to get out of my bed. I wouldn't want to go to school. Um, Cause by that point I'd already been kicked out of my clique. Um, so I had no friends and my mom was gone and I just hated my life. I just hated my life so much at that point. Um, so yeah, I started to go to therapy and we actually didn't talk about it at first. We mostly just talked about like my emotions and just like how misunderstood I felt. And mm-hmm. like, I felt like, I, I guess you could say more like the normal like reasons why like teenagers go to therapy. Um, mm-hmm. Not that they're like normal, but do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. More like things like, oh yeah, school's, you know, like really stressful or like I have no friends or like this and that. Mm-hmm. And then we actually started to talk about, um, yeah, about the rape. Mm, so it was a process then. Um, and are are you are, are you still are you still even years later still in the healing process then, or would would you consider yourself in, or you're still like one of those like ongo- ongoing journeys for you? Um, especially now being at this point now where you've forgiven him you have you don't have he doesn't have any power over you um and um you're able to just you know live out live out the best your life the best way that you can you know I mean I feel like to say that like a survivor has like is like completely healed I feel like that's a bit like like, that's not really true, though. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because, like, I said this earlier, like, you will carry it with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for me to say that, like, oh, I'm completely healed makes it seem almost as if it's, like, like just a little boo-boo. And it's, like, you put a Band-Aid over it, and now it's, like, you're good to go. Yeah. Because that's not that's not really how it is. Um, it wasn't actually. And part of it was, um, you know, the movie Promising Young Woman? I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. Okay. Well, it's a really great film. It's about rape. Um, but I remember it wasn't until I'd seen that film. It came out, I want to say Christmas of 2020. And I remember when I saw that film, because I by that point I'd already started to forgive him, but I think it was really when I got to see a big like Hollywood movie be about rape that made me feel more seen in mm. that like they had the main character she is not the rape victim she is a friend of a rape victim who unfortunately took her own life and then it's like the friend is all about um setting out like revenge basically Mm. uh for her friend's death and so I remember though that movie kind of made me feel a bit like more seen it was cool getting to see it was just so rare and amazing getting to see like um just like rage, you get to see all the different emotions that you go through. Like a huge part of it was just honestly, just a lot of bitterness, just a lot of rage, just a lot of resentment and just wanting to screw the world really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like, I think for me really like the healing process because I did start to like, em- like start to like pity him and like sympathize with him when I was in therapy because she, I think my therapist definitely did help me realize that he was still a person Mm. and that he wasn't this like monster that I think I wanted him to be. 
because for example, like the morning after or Sunday morning after the rape and he told me how awful he felt about what happened. And then he asked me, he basically begged me to not tell anyone about it. And then he started to cry. And I will admit that was probably one of the most excruciating moments of my life, having to comfort my rapist. Um, mm -hmm. Started like sobbing. He was really, really bawling his eyes out. Um, and then I remember my dad came to pick me up and it was just, it was as if it was gonna be our little secret till the end of time, but that didn't happen. And so, I really cannot emphasize enough how my faith has helped me um, because it made me realize that like everything I have gone through, especially with the rape, realizing that it was all part of God's plan. And I know that a lot of people, this might get be like skeptical of it and all, especially people who aren't believers. Um, but like, I really, I struggled with it a lot, I'll admit, like um, trying to accept that like, not that God wanted this to happen to me mm -hmm. because it's not like he on purpose wants to like, um, like punish, you know, young children for that. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was like, it made me stronger. Um, in the end, like having gone through that process of like the trial and all, um, and also it like made my faith, I think, stronger in him. And realizing that like if it wasn't for him I don't think I would have gone through it mm -hmm. and I hadn't even realized it like if it wasn't for him I never would have told my sister about it mm -hmm. and that like because of him I thankfully am safe and am alive and also has made me more cautious though about things mm -hmm. definitely yeah I mean, like, um, it definitely makes you, I think, view things differently. Like, I know that, like, it's really common for a lot of college girls to have, like, some pepper spray on their lanyard, you know, but, like, you, because you don't think it's actually going to happen to you, but I, honestly, one of my fears is that, like, it will happen again. Mm -hmm. Hence the pepper spray. Yeah. Yeah. And we live in a very crazy world, too, where, like anything and any like everything and anything can happen you know um especially for like women and young women too um and so it's like you know very important to like be on the lookout and be aware and you know be prepared and you know save stay as safe as possible or do our best to be as safe as possible to um you know um you know yeah especially those listening like yeah like be as safe as possible go out in groups you know have a buddy with you and stuff like that too you know um and most importantly too um like find like a support system um and for and like for you lila did you like were you able to find that support system eventually being able to like, deal with that like my you said what? I'm sorry, you cut out. Sorry, um, my church has definitely become like my family for me. Mm. I think um, it was part of God's plan for me to find this great Baptist church because 
I was really, really, really hesitant at first and like, I was wary of it. Um, um, I think letting myself being able to submit to God and knowing that like he will always take care of me. And I think just realizing that like I can depend on these people because that's something that I'd struggled with a lot throughout my life because I don't think I'd really, um, like I grew up kind of like with a very shaky foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of subconsciously sent this message of like, you can't depend on anyone because one day they might be here and the next they're gone. Mm -hmm. They're just gone. And uh, you can only depend on yourself. And so that had been a real struggle of mine because I'm super stubborn and being able to just submit and know that like, I can't do all of this by myself mm -hmm. and being able to not only depend on God, but depend on my church family and that it's like, it's okay to be taken care of. Like, I know that comes off, I think in a bad way for some people, because it works. We always want, we want to be independent, you know, and it's promoted a lot that like, you don't need anyone, but at the same time, everyone needs someone. Yeah. So that was, I think my church family has definitely become that. Oh, that's that's awesome that you've that you've been able to like still still even at the place that in your own journey being able to eventually find a help to have your healing, then being able to find a support system that you needed. Um then you know, be able to come out, you know, out stronger and you know, move on to like bigger and better things too. Um and so with, with that, um, what was it like then uh, being on Eastern Michigan's campus and hearing all the stuff that has been going on on the campus and like your thoughts and stuff and your worries and concerns and stuff and like where, where, your, head, where your head is at with all that's going on? I honestly was a bit at first kind of like, I was disappointed obviously because I was like, really? Like, come on now um but it also didn't surprise me that much just because like I'm not that surprised that like and I shouldn't not that like you should accept it and just be like well like be okay with it of mm -hmm. course not but I'm not that surprised that like what a fraternity has like a reputation for sexual assault like mm -hmm. And it is a shame that like, it really is. It's like a real travesty that uh, campus rape. So it's that thing that like everyone knows, but like no one's gonna really like speak out about, it mm -hmm. seems um, a lot of times that happens. And um, I think when I asked my professor about it, I was just really disappointed when she didn't want to talk about it. But I also get it because they provide her paycheck. So she can't because, mm -hmm. you know, if she badmouths her, the institution that she works for, she could get in trouble for it. So I understand that too. So it's like, it's so multifaceted. Um, so I think just trying to like better understand that, like how complex the situation really is. Um, and... and also, I guess my feelings about it, um, like, yeah, I will say it is kind of scary sometimes, like, when you're walking alone on campus at night, mm -hmm. you don't want to, and I don't like it, which is why I was grateful when I found out that 
um, after like the recent shooting and all that you can park in the commuter parking lot just because it's right in front of my dorm, uh, my dorm, and it makes it so much easier than say having to do a good 10 minute walk uh, because the resident parking lot is like all the way across campus. Mm -hmm. So I will say that was really nice that it's just like a small change like that, something simple. So that way it's like a two minute walk, mm -hmm. say, to getting to my dorm, then like, no, less than two minutes actually, um, than the usual 10. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, but you know, it's still like disheartening to hear too. Um, because I also like, you know, like I said previously in other episodes, um, like I'm a student of Eastern, I'm taking a break, currently trying to come back in the winter semester, but it is disheartening to hear all this stuff, especially what's going on, especially having to be a place where people, like at a place where people think it should be safe from that stuff, but it isn't, um, especially coming from like my own community, which is of like Greek life and how much like that community has affected the rest of the Eastern Michigan community and how much hurt that has been dealt over the years that's happened. Um, and like you said, how complex it is. Um, it, and like, there's there's a certain tone deafness to it, which is very like, which I, I see, I don't know if you see it or not, but I, but I see, um, especially when it comes to like things like this and how much everyone loves like pointing the fingers and stuff like that too but there's no really set action and, and even if there was action um it comes in very far like very far in between um even though you're starting to see the school like doing an investigation into the fraternity and stuff but even people are still like a little bit hesitant on that because it's the school's own investigation into a not like an outside independent source you know and stuff like that that is not you know not like related to like to like the school and you and you have people in protest and then you have the school wanting to set up like mandates for sexual like assault like uh, education and stuff and have that be mandated and stuff um but then is also like that question of like what else can we do to help keep this keep this going to help keep the change going and stuff like that and like that's my question one of my one of yeah my second to last question uh to you is uh how do you think that we can keep on fighting for the changes that we would like to see within our own communities and our and schools um and help make it a little bit safe you know um and what's your thoughts on it we talked a little bit before um the recording began about like um the me too movements mm -hmm. and I think it's funny that people now like are saying that we live in a post Me Too movement, which I'm kind of like, wait, it ended now. Like, mm -hmm. I think the main thing is just don't have it be a trend. I don't like it. I mean, I cannot stand it when schools, they just will for one week pretend that they care about, you know, everyone's voice being heard. And, you know, they give out like these free bracelets and like they have these pamphlets or they'll have like a guest speaker. And then nothing actually changes and mm -hmm. we all go back to the status quo. I think 
the main thing is just like having events like rain but it's more than just that I think it's also I think for example with your podcast I think it's an incredible thing what you're doing is like letting you're not only giving people um like a safe space to be able to share their past their stories you know with them with other people but I think it just needs to be talked about more Mm -hmm. um because like for example in like my sex education class by the time it did come and I was learning about these things in middle school you still didn't really hear about rape or consent or anything like that I remember if anything in my like sex education class like I remember being taught mostly like abstinence 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 but if you have to use condoms Mm -hmm. that was really it um so I think it also needs to be taught from a younger age I'm not saying that like 10 year olds like I was like it's not like we should be told you know all about like the person to be all of these dark things but I think when it does come to the time that you are like for example my freshman year in high school my teacher did the whole you know putting a condom on like a banana and all but I think we should also being talked about like when you feel safe and like consent and also in particular I mean I I don't want to like trash on guys or anything but like I feel like in particular with guys like learn they need to be taught these things Mm -hmm. I'm not blaming them so much as it is because I don't think that they quite realize it like I remember actually my other sister had told me she wasn't raped but she had been assaulted by a friend and it wasn't until she said like please stop please stop you're hurting me and she's like if you do this she's like you'll be a rapist it wasn't until she straight up told him that because they were at some party and they both had been drinking mm-hmm. and it wasn't until he heard those words that he even realized what he was doing because he just thought she was playing hard to get the whole time he kept on like cornering her and he kept on groping her mm. and it wasn't until she told him that that he actually realized and then he backed off he was kind of like whoa okay you don't need to throw in that word like Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't think that like it, it's even in their mind. Because think about it, like nobody thinks that they're a bad guy, you know. Nobody thinks that like I'm a rapist. Mm. Nobody is gonna think that. No, yeah, no one. Yeah, especially like us guys, and you know, even like even me as a guy, I do my best to like get like because I I understand the power where I'm at, and so I want to be able to put out the most good as possible. And really be mindful of the actions that I take and do and stuff like that. Because I know, like, they can either help people or they can harm people. Um, and, and like, and like even like even at a party and stuff like that. Like, I remember plenty of times I literally put my hands up at, like, a party and, like, being like, all right, I'm, like, passing through and stuff like that. You know, because I don't want to give, like, any wrong presence, like, me touching up on, like, a, a girl's butt or anything like that or when to grow them and stuff like that. I mean, hell, even me being like drunk, like I even want to be mindful of like my drunkness and stuff like that and how much, how far I've gone and stuff like that too, just cause like, it's it's one of those things where like, you think everyone will be taught the same thing as like, as like common sense things and what not to do, 
but then a lot of these things happen it's like oh well it's really not that simple or no one was really taught all these things to do um especially when like when it comes to like toxic masculinity what's that's like and what's really even being taught to like us guys and stuff like that too um and just never and really never having like proper role models to even look up to what it is to like practice like healthy masculinity what it means to give respect to women and the spaces that they are and stuff like that or even just knowing the proper etiquette of like going at a party and being drunk and knowing like when there's like a point of like like hey quit it that's not cool and stuff like that or even like being like mindful how much we drink because like any anything and everything can happen at a party you know um and how much it needs to like be like a safe space for people and stuff like that oh definitely I mean I personally am not a partier mm-hmm. but I mean I think even if I did go to parties and all I would not ever accept a drink from mm-hmm. someone just because I just it's just not unfortunately it's like that um but it's not just that it's also like like because I don't want to blame anyone who any girl who does party because the thing mm-hmm. is though is like you could easily be like oh well like the girls need to be careful of the situations that they let themselves get into but then you end up just like blaming victims yeah. um it's not just it's like it's so much more complicated it's realizing that it's like no it's also the guys who make these situations dangerous in the first place mm-hmm. yeah and like at the end of the day it's a community issue that affects yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that affects like everyone and anyone, you know. Um, and but yeah, sorry, no, you can go. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but like, okay, going back to the um, Me Too movement, I think that was another huge reason why, like, I was so had such mixed feelings about it, just because it just came off more like thinking that it was like very similar mentality of like if these bad you know these big bad corporate guys go away and then they are therefore you know canceled or whatever then it's like we've won but it's like is it really a victory and it's realizing that it's like the whole it's not just like the men who are in charge you know in Hollywood it's just it's Hollywood in general because Mm -hmm. I was like do you know the movie super bad yeah yep okay I know like a lot of like not to be stereotypical but a lot of geeky guys tend to like the film it's like <laughs> oh I see myself so much in Jonah Hill or Michael Sarah, you know yeah. but there's a scene in particular and I remember I was kind of like you don't realize just how ingrained all of like all of like rape culture really is you know in mm. in particular in Hollywood mm. and that's the thing I can't stand is when Hollywood will be like oh how could we let this awful thing go on like it's so bad of us, you know, we, it's like similar to how like now they're trying to call out for more diversity and all. It's like, oh, it's so bad of us. How could we have done that? Now we're going to have as much diversity as possible, Mm -hmm. you know, and that we're so much better. Like, it's almost like they, they're trying to overcompensate for their past. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I see. Um, But so the thing is, is there's a scene in particular, Jonah Hill is saying to Michael Sarah's character about how like, I guess he has the crush on Emma Stone's character and they're saying about like, we should throw like a party, okay? And think about it, we can get like, invite our crushes, get them drunk. And then you know how like drunk girls, like when they're hung over the morning after they're like, oh, I was so drunk. I don't even know what I did. You know, I must've made a bunch of mistakes. And he's saying, we could be that mistake. And he's like, so pumped up. He's so enthusiastic mm-hmm. about it. And 
then there's a later scene between him and his crush Emma Stone's character saying, you know, he's like, I thought that, you know, if I got you drunk, then you'd be willing to sleep with me. And then she views it as sweet. And she's like, oh, she's like, you don't have to get me drunk. She's like, to sleep with you. And she's like, I want to, you know, I'm really into you. She's like, I think chubby guys are funny. And I'm like, and it's supposed to be like hilarious and like heartwarming. And I was just like, yeah 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 especially looking over movies like that like they don't age well especially with the jokes i mean like it's also like it's also very apparent too within like movies that show what college life is like and how much of it partying and stuff like that too like especially within fraternities and stuff because everyone and anyone can literally loop back to animal house because that's like the biggest main like, movie ever and i even seen it and even though i enjoyed some aspects it was just like one of those things were like we came a long way since then and like like it's and it's like one of those things too were like we like represent like a lot you know being a part of an organization that have like these ideals and values that everyone should strive for but then our actions don't really match up what those values are and then all of a sudden everyone's just like oh man we made a mistake we're so sorry and stuff like that but it's like you like this has been like behavior that has been going on since like ever and it's it's not just it's not just for you over it's not just about overcompensating but it's like accepting the past and what's been happening and doing the actual logical steps to help make the repairs that's needed to the people that you've hurt the most and that help make that healing process possible especially if it, it like affected an entire community of people you know mm. and yeah 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 no I didn't sorry I, that was just my uh tip that um but did you have anything else more to say no I don't think so I think that like I mean because I, I know our time's probably up right um I think honestly it's like a final word I guess which is really I mean I cannot honestly I don't mean to like promote but I cannot honestly just like say for me that like um the Lord really has done like a huge work for me and my soul um and just how broken I was and he, I mean he ultimately has helped me reach I think a new level of peace and closure in regards to the rape that I don't think I had had before um because I had to realize that it was all part of like something bigger than just me and that like you can like trying to help now like be able to spread awareness about it and all and I was like you know really thankful and grateful that like you know I got to be on here and try to not only just talk about my story but I hope that it helped other people some way yeah some I worry that I mostly just you know babbles a lot but you know yeah hey I I babble as well and, <laughs> and, I, worry, and I worry um but you know what you're doing and what I'm doing I mean it's all a matter of let's just keep on doing what we're doing and doing the best that we can and believing that at the end of the day like what we do helps make the world a little bit better
you know, because um, I think the world needs a little like a little bit more positivity like right now and more like actual fruitful change to happen too, um, especially for communities too, because in all honesty, and again, sorry for my language, I am tired of the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I um, was just coughing. Um, but yeah, I'm tired of bullshit and just, you know, want things to be better for the people in my community, for my home, for future generations, and even for my future kids, you know, um, because I love, like, my home and my communities, but the thing is, I love it enough to know there's plenty of issues with it that needs solving and fixing, and I want to be, at least be one of, like, a part of the solution to help make that happen. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. I think, like, just really the main thing that, like, changed um, was just, I think, learning not to be ashamed. I think you have to learn not to be ashamed about it. And I'm not just talking about like with survivors. Um, I'm not saying that like, I mean, obviously if you're not comfortable sharing your story, you don't have to, but like, um, I think for me, it's like learning not to be ashamed of it and to be able to talk about it so openly. But I also think like other people, whether it be bystanders or like perpetrators or anything about that, like that, it's like a lot of times we let our shame like prevent us from ever speaking about uncomfortable things but the problem is is that like I think it only what's the right verb is it like permeates is that it it only like permeates like how uncomfortable that subject is then to talk about do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like if no one talks about it then it's just going to stay an uncomfortable topic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely yeah. Um, and with that little tidbit, guys, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in to the Tell Your Story podcast with me, Q, and thank our guest, Lila, for coming on to the space to share her story and have a fruitful conversation about healing, um, forgiveness, but most importantly, um, what we can hopefully do within our own communities and own spaces. Um, so with that said, I'll be tuning out. Lila, say bye to the uh, audience listening. Bye. I hope you have a lovely day. Awesome. Thank you. And hope you guys have a lovely day as Lila said. Um, and with that, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in for the next episode of the podcast.